Well, it's good to be back with you again. I'm David Wirth, and uh, for those who don't know me, I'm a retired Presbyterian pastor. Uh, I've known your congregation since I came to the Presbyterian back in 1976. I had the privilege of being Peter Dunn's pastor before he was born. I baptized him. I was here and installed him. And so it's a real joy to be a part here today and to share God's Word with you. Our text today is a study of some of the ingredients which go into making of Christian character. So often Christians have been known by what they don't do, what they're against. Negative goodness, though, in Scripture is not enough. There need to be positive qualities. And our text today gives us guidance, gives us definitions of a Christ-like character and personality. And thus, my sermon title today, Character Counts. Now, I'm grateful to Dr. James Hurd, to the worship ensemble, to Peter Charles and the worship team. They have done a wonderful job of setting up what I'm going to do today. And you're going to hear me refer to the songs that have been sung and will be sung because they help us understand this text, and they also help us understand the whole trajectory of Scripture as it helps us understand what we're talking about today. Our text here today in Galatians 5, we're going to look at it a section at a time, but this is a text about freedom. This is a text about the conflict between the sinful nature and God's Spirit and the transformation that God wants to bring about. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and then 13 through 18. Let us hear God's word. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to enjoy, indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not always able to do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, we're going to pause here in the reading of this text. What Paul wants us to understand is the call is to freedom. But when he talks about freedom, he has to talk about the conflict. Now, Paul's talked about this throughout Scripture. If you read Romans chapter 8, it's another whole chapter on this. But what he's saying is, for those who have given their lives to Christ and invited the triune God to come in and reign, we discover there's a conflict. The conflict is between the sinful nature and God's Spirit. I think you've discovered, as I have, that we can't live in accordance with God's Spirit just on our own power. Human behavior is dominated by forces that are in conflict with each other. In fact, Paul even says at one point, you do what you not, did not want to do. Sinful nature is spirit. For Paul, the key is to be led by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit. 
At times, it's a moment-by-moment decision. The Spirit of the Triune God makes possible a life that can be lived in accordance with God's will. You heard the ensemble sing today, we can be victors in the midst of strife. God wants us to know that in the midst of the strife, there can be victory, there can be freedom. As Nancy and I were driving down here this morning from Ventura, we were talking about my text, and we were reminded of our then six-year-old who one day was playing at the beach with a friend and got into a major conflict. To the point there were tears. And he came to her and he said, Nanny, I wish Adam and Eve hadn't messed it up. Huh? Hadn't made bad choices. Yes, bad choices. Bad choices. You see, this thing has been going on for a long time. And all of us know what it is to get in the midst of a heated moment and make a bad choice and to discover that is not what I intend to do, not what I wanted to do. We've seen this in families. We see it all over the place. So what are the acts of the sinful nature? Now, Paul is very clear. He's already talked about destroying each other by biting and devouring each other. So listen to Galatians 5, 19 to 21. He's going to give us a pretty explicit list. Look at this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. I love the way he says that. The acts of the flesh are obvious. See if there are any of these you would disagree with. Immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's quite a list, isn't it? I don't think there's anything on that list you would disagree is part of sin. Now, I want you to notice that Paul lists sexual sins, what I will call religious sins, and societal sins all in one list. We have a tendency to want to put some lists higher than others, not for Paul and not for Scripture. The list is the same. The sexual sins, harmful to human dignity, harmful to relationships. The religious sins, idolatry, putting something higher than God himself. And then the sins of society that create chaos, interpersonal relationships, fractions. Now, I think the issue today is that things like discord, dissension, factions seem stronger than ever. And they're present even among Christ followers. And my concern is I'm not sure that when Paul says they're obvious that in our world today, we wouldn't say, well, well, that's just life. That's life in society. That's life in politics. And I would have to ask, is it really? What is it that God asked for? The call is to serve one another in love, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul wants us to see that the Spirit of God wants to create something new in us. And before I read this next section, I think we need to distinguish between some terms. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, that is Christian character. When we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, that's the things God wants to see happen through us. So that's things like the list in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. 
but the gift of the Spirit is salvation. So all God's people who have received Christ in their life have the gift of the Spirit. The question is, what about the fruit of the Spirit? Now, Paul says fruit, and I want you to notice it isn't the fruits. It's fruit, singular. It isn't a pick-and-choose list. We're going to see nine things, like a moral diamond. Paul isn't saying, well, you can take this one and you can take this one. You No, it's one fine fruit. And what we're doing is seeing, as the ensemble said, that faith will lead us down a road less traveled. Let's look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And as the text comes up, would you read this with me in unison? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, we'll just leave that screen there for a minute. Against such things, there is no law. You'll never see a law that says you can't love, you can't have joy, you can't be faithful, you can't be gentle, you can't have self-control. There's no such law. Now, look at this next list, because I want to talk about each of these. That next slide, please. The fruit of the Spirit, there are many ways you can do this. I've sort of come up, I find it's helpful to sort of put things in categories. The first three, love, joy, and peace, really talk about an attitude toward God. Love. What is the great commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can find that in Matthew 22, in Mark 12, and in Luke chapter 14. All these call for us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second we read is to love your neighbor as yourself. The call to love. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is key sign of God's presence in our life. Joy. Nehemiah 8 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Did you see as we sang this morning, joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love? One of the signs of God's spirit being evident in us is we discover joy, not happiness, Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is a quality of life that sees God's presence and leading and love in our lives. And then peace, peace. Jesus said in John 14, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Paul talks about peace in Philippians chapter 4. And this is a very personal text for me because on Tuesday I will celebrate 20 years since I had a quad bypass. I went to the doctor, they did a test, and he said to me, we're admitting you to the hospital and you'll have surgery in the morning. If you'd like a second opinion, we would recommend you go by ambulance. <laughs> now he gets your attention, right? <clears throat> and so here I was. He decided that the surgery was a little bit tricky, so he wanted the surgeon to be fresh, and he hoped I made it till morning. And so people have said to me, what would you do that night? I said, I slept. Well, how do you sleep? I mean, he walked in the next morning and said, I'm glad to see you're still here. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Doc. I really appreciate that. The text for me is Philippians 4. Went in a fix, Philippians 4, 6. What is it we're to do? We're to give God every detail. We're to pray with thanksgiving. 
And then this promise, and the peace of God will guard, will march around century, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How do we find God's peace? We discover that God comes and through his spirit gives us peace. Peace with him, peace with the world. And so these three, love, joy, peace, are so primary evidences of God's spirit at work in our life. And then patience, kindness, goodness. Patience. 1 Corinthians 13, what is the definition? Love is patient. Love is kind. Do any of you struggle with patience? Now today, we drove 70 miles and fortunately traffic was light, so God didn't test my patience. Or I would have other illustrations of how the conflict lives. But I have to drive home yet. Patience. Attitudes towards others. Can you be patient with others? I once had a little sign, please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. Patience. Kindness. It's an ingredient that seems to be missing in our world. Kindness. And then goodness, the very quality of God and Christ evident in us. And then attitudes toward ourselves, faithfulness. It's a word used of God. Lamentations 3, great is thy faithfulness. Proverbs, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Faithfulness. The call to allow ourselves to be committed to Jesus Christ and to God through his spirit and to allow him to work in us. And then gentleness. Paul would say in Philippians 4, before he gets to those verses about peace, let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness. And then self-control. Discipline. Interesting that Paul talks about this, but what's really fascinating to me, if you look in Scripture, Peter, who we would probably see as one of the most impulsive people in chapter 1 of 1 Peter and chapter 1 of 2 Peter, spends a great deal of time talking about self-control, discipline. Now, this is not the only place. This isn't the official list or the Beatitudes. You can read Romans 5, Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Timothy 6, 2 Timothy 3, 2 Peter 1. There are many places that give us this list. But friends, this fruit doesn't just grow in isolation. It comes with certain conditions being met. And just as in nature, fruit requires cultivation. Look at these next verses in chapter 5, verses 24 and 25. It's going to call for two actions. Paul says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Two actions. Crucify the sinful nature. Earlier in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, and yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In conversion, we give to Christ our lives and our sins, and he takes them and places them on the cross. The thing is that that is a one-time decision, 
but then we have to continually come and confess. We don't have to ask for forgiveness. We're forgiven, but we need to confess. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You and I are not perfect. We're this side of eternity. And the call is to crucify, crucify those things with the passions and desire that we know of the sinful nature. And then he calls us to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. You see, we can't be holy by ourselves. And part of the call is to recognize to be like Jesus is not an easy task. The Spirit of God wants to produce this fruit in all of us. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. God uses scripture, he uses prayer, he uses worship, he uses other Christians. The issue is our will. The issue is our choices. The issue is our decisions. As you and I choose to maintain our walk with God, to maintain the relationship by its decisions, we discover freedom. Remember as we sang this morning, our God is a God of love. Our God came that he could be with us. Jesus says you will never take a step alone. You free every captive. We dance in your freedom. You have done great things. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. Can you say that? There's nothing better than you, Lord. The fruit will grow in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that we will experience the reality of this passage in our lives, that we will know freedom, not slavery, that we'll overcome the sinful nature by as we keep in step with the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit. Let us pray together. Lord God, we rejoice in the freedom offered in Jesus Christ. We're grateful that as we accept your amazing grace, your amazing love, we can be set free. That is why you gave your life. We're no longer slaves. We can sing, I am a child of God. Lord, will you help us when the way is hard, when we feel we're losing the battle? Will you remind us never a step will we walk alone that you are with us? Help us to choose the way of the spirit over the sinful nature. Remind us that you laid down your life, that we could be set free. Lord, we are so grateful. You have done great things. You are our God. There's nothing better than you. Amen.